Hello, everybody, and welcome in to another episode of the Couch GM's podcast on Wednesday, April 20th, 2022. I'm your host, George Kurth, and as we get closer to the draft, Cody Roadcap is back with us again to talk some draft coverage this week. Cody, we missed you last week. I missed you guys, too. I missed it a lot more than I thought I would. You know, doing this every week, did multiple shows during the regular season, thinking, hey, one week off. Won't miss it too much. I missed it. Incredible. I'm glad. Or incredible. I missed it a lot. <laughs> incredible to be back and looking forward to talking some fan or running backs and how it might help NFL teams and your fantasy team. Definitely. We are going to talk running backs on the show this week and we are going to hit some NFL news and notes from the week. One news piece coming from last week right after we recorded because it is Every single time on a Wednesday morning, news breaks right after we uh, already hit the record it's, button. It's pretty so. much tradition at this point. <laughs> it is. So expect some big news to come out right before you listen to this podcast, and we're not going to talk about it. But that's because it happened after we recorded. <sighs> make sure you find us on thecouchgms.com and our social media channels. We'll make sure we keep you updated on the social media channels so you can get news right as it happens. Cody, let's just jump in NFL news. And we're going to start off NFL news with that piece of news that hit Wednesday of last week. Derek Carr signs a huge contract extension with the Vegas Raiders. Three years, $121.5 million. Now there was talks of him being moved to another team. I feel like there's been talks of him being moved for a long time. The Raiders are doubling or tripling down on Derek Carr now, aren't they? I mean, I feel like they kind of had to, like, don't get it twisted like Devonte wanted to play closer to home but the big draw for him to, in, in las vegas excuse me was playing with Derek carr so i feel like these two this extension included are kind of tying them together if you look at the Devonte deal it's a five-year deal but really there's an out after three years maybe even two if they wanted to but really after three Derek carr the same thing it's going to tie them essentially to las vegas for the next three years and then they can reevaluate it and it's also, you know, it's worth noting, too, that Josh McDaniels came in, the new GM came in, and they were like, no, we believe in Derek Carr. He's the guy. He was one of the reasons we were excited about this job. So let's get him locked up and build this team. And they're going to have a lot to figure out over the next couple of months to be competitive in that gauntlet of a division. Uh, but I do like the signing for the Raiders to create some stability. Definitely. And I don't know if Derek Carr's ever really got his chance to prove that he's a big name quarterback in the NFL because he hasn't had offensive weapons around him, but the name of Devontae Adams before this. So this is now his chance. And even without top weapons, he was almost considered the benchmark of are you a above average or below average quarterback? So maybe he can beat his own benchmark now this year with the weapons around him and now a solid $121.5 million in his pocket. <laughs> Why don't we move on to the wide receiver position here? More wide receivers potentially on the move. I mean, Debo Samuel, AJ Brown, and Terry McLaurin are all skipping out emphasis this voluntary workout. So it's not required as they are seeking new deals. We've seen guys like Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, they get mega deals. We saw guys like Christian Kirk. He got a lot more money than any of us expected going into free and seat. Now, granted, the Jacksonville Jaguars are not the best franchise, not the best team. They have to pay more to be competitive. Uh, but these are young studs that want to get paid. I think we're going to see this in the next couple of years with Justin Jefferson as well. Honestly, my gut tells me at this point, all three of these guys are going to end up uh, back on their team, getting signed for big deals. If any of them is going to be on the move, I think Terry McLaurin will be the most likely of these three. Um, just because they're that franchise is going through all kinds of stuff and, you know, they're more in a rebuild phase where the Titans, they're trying to win this year, figure out they, what they got with, uh, Ryan Tannehill and the 49ers are coming off of a season where they just finished in the NFC championship game. So you'd have to think they want to keep Debo Samuel, who is essentially their offense. Definitely. And I know, especially with AJ Brown, there's been a lot of back and forth Twitter talk and he has said again and again that he wants to be a Titan for life. So I don't think there's much of an interest in their moving there, but it's worth noting that these guys are trying to get new contracts before the whole fifth year option thing comes up. And Terry McLaurin is a very interesting name for me, especially maybe at the trade deadline. If Washington is not performing up to key with Carson Wentz, 
they might decide to sell out and Terry McLaurin might be on the move midseason. Definitely could see the, the trade deadline for McLaurin. Wouldn't also be surprised if he was to get moved here at the the NFL draft coming up in a week. You know, if a team is really interested in a wide receiver, a couple of their guys fell, you know, maybe a second round pick, maybe a late first round pick because you have to pay him might be something that the commanders are looking to do, knowing that they're kind of in a rebuild looking to, you know, they're not the team that anyone's expecting to win the NFC East. Uh, but just to circle back to your comment about Twitter and AJ Brown, it has been incredibly back and forth seesaw what, what's going to happen. But I know recently it resurfaced uh, when that came out that he wasn't going to show up that apparently a lot of fans were attacking him again or attacking players. And, you know, and he even tweeted out like, you love me until I don't do, I forget the exact tweet. We can retweet on the couch GM's Twitter. <laughs> uh, but essentially, and it caused all the, the eyeball emojis, all the people like, well, what if he gets traded now? Because again, there was an NFL player who's trying to do what's best for him, best for his family, getting criticized by fans how short-tempered it is, and it's just another reminder of, like, you don't need to be in the players' DMs, like, telling them, like, hey, they need to show up for camp. Like, trust me, they're working out. You don't need to be in them telling them how bad they are, whatever. Like, if you're going to DM a player, make sure it's a positive message. If it's not going to be positive, just stay out of their DMs. Talk to your friends about it if you really have to be negative, uh, but it's probably best to not be negative at all. Definitely. I'll have to tweet out at AJ and tell him how I'm going to be having a couple of stocks of him in some fantasy leagues this year, try to pick him up a little bit. But I mentioned 50-year options a little bit in there as well. The Seahawks were the first team to pick up a fifth-year option from somebody from the 2018 draft, and that is tight end Noah Fant, their recent trade candidate, or the recent tight end they acquired via trade. So on top of that, why don't you talk about some fantasy-relevant guys who may be seeing fifth-year options in the near future? Yeah, definitely. So if you're new to the NFL and how it works, essentially every rookie, I, I believe every rookie that gets drafted, is essentially signed to a four-year contract. However, if you are drafted in the first round, the NFL and the team that drafted you has the option to place a fifth-year option. Now it's a fully guaranteed salary it's there's a pretty increase like pay hike it all depends on playing time there's some escalators to determine the actual value uh, but it's just for first round players uh, so looking at the 2018 draft there's a couple of offensive players that are still out there they haven't gotten a contract extension yet you're still waiting to hear about um, one is Baker Mayfield he could you know get a fifth-year option if a team wants to trade for him they can then pick up his fifth-year option so that they get him for two years to see who is out similar what Carolina did with Sam Darnold another quarterback that is in the headlines about and the team wants to get a deal done but he's not ready is Lamar Jackson so we'll see how that plays out and then two running backs that were taken in the first round Saquon Barkley another trade candidate another potential gets traded then gets his fifth-year option picked up or maybe the Giants just do it and go on from there. And then Sonny Michelle, which I'm not 100% sure. I believe he still has the option to be have his fifth-year option picked up because he was traded, not cut, when he was traded to the Los Angeles Rams. But I have a hard time seeing the Rams placing the fifth-year option with their cap issues. And Cam Akers now coming back healthy. It seems like that was more of a let's sign him as an emergency thing. So Sonny Michelle will be with the Rams this year. But after that, I don't expect the fifth-year option. Definitely. I think the t the person to watch in the coming weeks when it comes to fifth year options is Lamar Jackson, because I think he's trying to push his contract further back in the queue in quarterbacks to try to get more money. I mean, we just saw Derek Carr get forty and a half million dollars. Is Derek Carr really worth forty and a half million dollars a year? You can argue no, but it seems like the next quarterback to get a contract gets the most money. I mean, we're still have the Mahomes contract out there that's, you know, very high in average value. But I think the average value leader right now is actually Aaron Rodgers. Um, so I think Lamar Jackson's trying to bet on himself, push his contract, his long term contract back to try to get maybe even closer to the 60 million dollar a year range once the salary cap goes up, if he keeps performing as well as he has been. So he's the one I'm going to be looking out at, at the most. Definitely. And it's also worth noting that just because the fifth year option hasn't been placed, that doesn't mean they won't actually place it. They have a deadline. It's very similar to how the franchise tag works. You have a window when you can activate it. And 
we'll see a lot more by the, you know, a day or two out is when they'll actually start being hit. But the Seahawks were the first team. But since you mentioned Aaron Rodgers, I think it's only good to start off our quick free agent update with the Packers did go out and sign him a receiver. They got him Sammy Watkins, a very underrated signing. First round. It's a first round pick. I was I was like, are you trying to hold me up? But no. No, nope, first round actually, pick. Actually, I... I even tweeted out, if you follow me at Cheesehead Cody on Twitter, the Packers signed Rodgers a first-round pick so they could draft an edge and a safety in the first round this year. So if that happens, uh, you heard it here first. I actually, as a the resident Packers fan, I do think that the Sammy Watkins addition is a great signing. It was incredible value. I know it was reported up to $4 million, but the contract details came out on Tuesday. It's really only about just over a million dollars, only 350000 guaranteed. And then it's all incentive-based roster game bonuses, active game bonuses to deal with his injury history. So a very team-friendly deal. It was a great signing. Uh, I don't really expect this to be a replacement so much for Devontae Adams. Like, I don't think – I think it's more of a, a replacement for Marquez Valdez-Scantling. I know he's probably not as fast as he was when he was coming out of college, but he was – you know, an elite deep threat coming out. He still has that speed when healthy. So a guy that can take the top off, but it may be a little bit better of a more precise route runner underneath can do some slants and stuff like that off the RPOs. I think it's a solid option, but I don't expect the Packers to be done, whether it's the draft, whether it's adding another veteran free agent like Julio Jones or doing both. Definitely. I think that they still have so many holes at the wide receiver position. Like you said, this is not the Devontae Adams, Phil. But I don't know if Devontae Adams is going to be filled by one person. So, yeah, this does help with the Marquez Valdez-Scantling loss. But he could end up being – it could end up being him and maybe if they bring in like an Odell Beckham or somebody else who's still sitting out there as a veteran could be the the duo to replace someone like Devontae Adams. So this is just one step in the multi-step process we're going to be watching the Packers very closely on through the draft and maybe even past. I'm actually glad you brought up Odo Beckham because I wanted to bring him up when we were talking about this. Um, he tore his ACL in the Super Bowl. He's not going to be ready to at least November. Getting Sammy Watkins in there to pair with a rookie and then signing a guy like Odell Beckham late in the process in November when he's can cleared, you know, for that late season push because despite losing Devontae Adams, you still have Aaron Rodgers. You still expect the Packers to make – the playoffs at least in the nfc being one of the top seven teams if not winning the division uh so i actually like the odell beckham signing later in the season as a potential fill-in too um but that's probably enough packers talk for now because i'm i know i can talk about them forever forever and all day uh but the seattle seahawks we already mentioned their trade because they traded for drew lock they traded for noah fan who they picked up their fifth year option uh but they're re-signing one of their their own guys at quarterback and that is geno smith he was re-signed now i know there's some contract issues disputing with the league uh it seems like that's more of on the business side like hey maybe i wrote the contract and there was a typo i don't actually know what the details are but we'll get those approved and he'll be a seahawk again and i know there was some like a five hundred thousand dollar guarantee was reported in there so it's interesting they bring him back to pair with drew lock reportedly he's going to get a chance to start again for them to me i know george and tyler broke down the quarterbacks last week and we've said it all off season like this isn't a great quarterback class so to me it feels like the seahawks aren't really in consideration i could be completely wrong on this but this is just speculation that the seahawks aren't really considering a quarterback at pick nine they're going to roll with drew lock this year they're going to roll with geno smith if drew lock is a guy that because they really liked him if he grows and proceeds they have a quarterback if not next year's quarterback class is stacked and they'll be in position to get a top guy so i think you can probably pencil cross out the C- seattle seahawks for taking a quarterback which will push quarterbacks even down further uh but for the seahawks they added a guy that he had some shining moments but he didn't look that impressive when he was filling in for russell wilson last year Yeah, I think it's going to come down to value when it comes to a lot of the quarterbacks in this class. There's going to be some that are going to be taken high because teams are going to take a risk on a guy that they think could be. But you can kind of put a pencil mark out the Seahawks, but if one of those top four or so quarterbacks falls into round two, which seems ridiculous, but is an outside possibility, 
maybe you see them move up into earlier in round two to get someone else like that. So it, it a lot of it's going to depend on how it falls draft night, in my opinion. Like there's still a chance it could take something, but the chance is getting lower. No, I actually like that a lot. Even if they want to, uh, I believe, don't hold me to this, but I believe the Seahawks are one of the teams that have two second round picks in this year's draft. So even if they want to, you know, trade back in, maybe they get like a guy like Desmond Ritter and he's falling late to the second round. They want to get that fifth year option. They trade back in, you know, the chiefs have two first round picks in the second half. The Packers have two first round picks in the second half. You know, the Buccaneers, they might want to trade back teams like those might want to try to move back and get some extra picks and they can get a quarterback for the fifth year option. But again, I still think it's going to be a stretch for them. It's just the quarterback class isn't that good. And I have a hard time seeing teams like, any quarterback taken this year, I think your team should be fully, and I hate to say this, like think of him as maybe not talent-wise, but as Josh Rosen. Like when Josh Rosen was picked, Arizona thought he was the next guy for them. It didn't work out after his rookie year. They ended up having the number one overall pick, and they could take Kyler Murray. I think if your team takes a quarterback and they have a, a rough season, it will not eliminate them from taking a quarterback again next year when the, the class is much uh, much deeper and has a lot more top end talent. But Can I give you a, the... a comp before we move on after this topic? Absolutely. All right. So compare someone like a Desmond Ritter who might be falling down to the end of the first round with Kyle Trask, the name we were throwing around is teams might move up with the Buccaneers at pick 32 last year to get that, that, uh, um, you know, fifth year option picking him at the very end of the first round. Obviously he fell into the second and, you know, got picked by the, the Buccaneers, but how would you compare Kyle Trask to someone like Desmond Ritter? Do you think it, there's a better chance of someone moving up to take Ritter at the end of the first round than Trask last year who fell? Yeah, I, I, I do. See, I know I wasn't on last week's episode, so I couldn't give my full breakdown, but Desmond Ritter is my, the quarterback I, I'd be most excited about for a team. I think he's one of the, the younger options out there. I know both the two guys ahead of him and Willis and Pickett, you know, Pickett, he's played in almost 50 games. So I could see him, you know, someone that needs a quarterback right away. You have that aspect of it. Willis, I keep hearing this raw upside, but he's almost 24 years old. So it's not like he's, you know, a 20-year-old with a raw upside. Like he's played a decent amount of football. He he has all the talent in the world, but he's not. he'll be, you know, 29 when his, his fifth-year option is up. Like that's where we're at with players and i think you know digressing a little bit this whole draft this year and next year i think we're going to see older prospects because of the lost season because of the covid19 pandemic guys going back for next year to play a full college season to boost their stock uh so ages can probably be you know not as a serious contender like if this was three years ago and you're talking about a 24 year old rookie you're like what what are you talking but now like that makes a little bit more sense but back to your original question on the quarterbacks I'd rather have Ritter over Kyle Trask. That's just just me, but I think that's a that's a close comparison of you know a guy like or even like a team like the Packers. Like they have Jordan Love, right? Jordan Love is younger than Kenny Pickett. <laughs> seems like, ridiculous. Which seems ridiculous, but if you're a team like I would rather trade for two years of Jordan Love than draft any of these quarterbacks in the draft because you know he's 23 he has he has all the tools in the world he just needs some development he needs playing time like that's where we're at with him i'm not even saying the packers are going to do it because he is 23 years old if rogers retires after the next year he he might not even be available unless it's a premium pick uh but i think desmond ritter at the end of the the first round similar to how lamar jackson was the end of the 2018 draft he was picked number 32 the baltimore ravens traded back in for him i think that's where you're going to find your value compared to picking a quarterback in the top 10 or even crazy, like picking a Malik Willis number two, which I know hasn't been ruled out by the Detroit lions. Very interesting. And just to circle back on age before we move on to our next topic here, Ryan Tannehill was selected eighth overall. And I think he was 26 when he was drafted. So it's not completely out of the question that teams are taking quarterbacks high that are a little bit on the older side. And I know Tannehill was a little bit more extreme than even we're talking about with some of these quarterbacks recently. Um, we have a couple more pits of quick free agent updates, which haven't been as quick as we expected. AJ Green has re-signed with the Arizona Cardinals. 
So the Cardinals, who are losing a lot of pieces in free agency, retain one of their own. And maybe Green will even be a bigger part of the offense next year that they don't have a Christian Kirk in-house. And Stephon Gilmore, the star corner, is going to the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts continue to try to build up to try to be a contender with Matt Ryan. Yeah, I actually think the Colts have had a quietly really good offseason, except the Matt Ryan hasn't like <laughs> fixed their long-term problem at quarterback. Like I think like I think they're a competitive team. Like I think they'll compete for the AFC South. Could but they have a defense that could potentially make a run. We'll see how much of losing Matt Everflus actually affects that defense. Uh, but I do like that signing. And then A.J. Green, very similar to the Sammy Watkins deal. Like, it's a solid veteran. You know, he had his ups and downs last year. But both the Cardinals and the Packers are now not, like, backed into a corner that they have to take a, a wide receiver with their first pick. If they're not a guy that they're in love with because there is value in the second and third round at the wide receiver position, they don't have to force a pick in round one if they, they think there's a better value. So, I like these signings for both, but I don't think either team are done adding pass-catching options. Definitely. We'll have to see how that goes through the rest of the offseason, especially with some decent veteran wide receivers still sitting out there in a draft class that's not too bad at wide receiver. But we have a running back draft class to break down right now. Cody, why don't we jump into our draft preview? Alrighty, our last positional breakdown because we're a fantasy podcast. We're focusing mainly on the offensive side. We're talking running backs. And again, this is another class that, while I think there's a lot of talent, there's not a top-end guy. Like, I don't expect any running back to be called on day one. I think some potentially could be, but we're also seeing the league not being valued at. I think this is very similar to the 2020 draft where, you know, the top three guys were Clyde Edwards-Alaire, DeAndre Swift and Jonathan Taylor. And then you still found solid options like a JK Dobbins, like a Cam Akers, like a AJ Dillon, like an Antonio Gibson. Like there's deep talent. And that's what we see with running backs every year. You can find a running back in the first, you can find a running back in the fifth that can put up a thousand yards and multiple touchdowns. So running backs are one of the hardest positions. Uh, but George, before we get into the individualized prospects, why don't you talk us through some teams that are definitely on the look for running back or some teams that may need some help at that position. All right. So we have this broken down into two different categories here. We have top running back needy teams and teams who may use somebody for the near future. So leading off the top needy teams, the Houston Texans, I know they just signed Marlon Mack and we've been super high on trying to get Marlon Mack an opportunity again, but we have to understand that he's still probably not the best option they could have. So it's what him, Rex Burkhead, Dari Ogunbowale, a, a lot of names that are not impressive. I think David Johnson's still there. Is he? I, I don't look, I'm not. I'm unsure. I'll take okay. a look while you talk about the rest of the the needy teams. Okay. So Texans could really be in the need for one of these top running backs, and they could actually, even though they're not a great offense, turn somebody into a fantasy relevant guy right off the bat. The Atlanta Falcons are the second. We know the Falcons in general are just crying for weapons. And their top running back is a wide receiver, Corderell Patterson, right now. So they could definitely be in the look for a running back early. And the Buffalo Bills, who we've been trying to say to get a running game for a long time. Now, Devin Singletary did start to break out last year. They still have Zach Moss. They have bodies, but I think they can definitely improve on that position if they go out and get one of these top backs in this draft and maybe they can actually become more of a running team outside of just 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 josh allen definitely and you are correct david johnson is a free agent so there's just more open windows that's one less guy <laughs> we're not dealing with the rex burkhead philip Lindsay, david johnson now hopefully it'll be rookie rex burkhead marlon mack rotation for a while but a lot of those guys are coming to the end of their contract um but i think you still have some teams that may be in need of a running back i do so miami dolphins are one of those teams they did sign a lot of running backs in free agency so that would be a very messy backfield as well but somebody could find some opportunity as much of a michael carter fan as i am the new york jets may still go out there and try to find a compliment back to him the Seattle Seahawks, they still don't know the status on Chris Carson. Rashad Penny did come back, and obviously he did take over last year. He may be the guy. They might also go out and find another option. 
The Cardinals are just down to James Conner now, so they might go out there and find somebody to compliment there. Could be somebody that could be fantasy relevant right off the bat. And then I put on this list as well the New Orleans Saints because we do not know what's happening with Alvin Kamara after his uh, arrest at the Pro Bowl. So if they're down to just Mark Ingram, who's an older back, they don't want him to shoulder that load the entire season. The Saints might be a sneaky contender for a back that could jump in right away. Definitely, George. And it's also worth noting that we are talking running backs. There are a position that, you know, your team might just need a couple extra camp bodies. So, like, if you're in the fourth or fifth round and you see a solid running back, like, don't be surprised if your team takes them. You can't have enough because we know that their NFL shelf life is already short. They often deal with, you know, leg injuries and you need people to get through camp. So, sometimes these running backs break out. We see every year a day three guy or an undrafted rookie comes out and balls out. Philip Lindsay. James Robinson, Eckler, James Robinson, like these are guys that no one talked about on their their draft shows, and they end up being fantasy, you know, waiver league winning waiver pickups in week two. And there'll be some guys in this class. We might not even mention them on the show because that's how deep the running back class will go. But let's start it off with our number one guy on our list for fantasy, especially is why he's number one on our list, and that is Brees Hall. He's a running back. He's a junior out of Iowa State. He had 1,400 yards rushing on the ground with 20 touchdowns in 2021, adding on another 300 yards to the air and three more touchdowns. So he, he's the guy that can do – he's your three-down back. He can run. He can catch. He's not the you know the world's best run blocker, but he does enough to get in the way, which allows him to be out there for all three downs. He will have to improve that as we continue – as he continues on to his NFL. I think he's – my favorite prospect, there's some other guys that might be a little bit more better true running backs. But for me, Brees Hall, he's explosive. He ran a sub 4 440 at 217 pounds. Like, he's a guy I want on my team. And Buffalo, please, <laughs> please, Buffalo, for fantasy's sake, draft Brees Hall so he's the clear and cut number one rookie draft for Dynasty at the top rookie option in redraft leagues spoken as somebody with a top pick in a dynasty draft this year is that you actually i think i thought i did but i have pick five so like it doesn't actually matter the darn mediocre seasons in dynasty but no i'm with you and when you're talking about a running back coming out of the draft and his biggest issue is he's a mediocre run blocker i mean sorry pass blocker that's a good thing there's not many three down backs left in this league. So if he can go out there and run somebody over on first and second down and then catch a pass on third down and move the chains, like that's something that you're looking for in fantasy, especially. So yes, please Buffalo or a team that is really running back needy, go out there and actually make him a three down back. And he could be one of those rookies that you kind of sneak into your third round in a redraft league. And if he gets enough touches, he might jump, right up to a first round talent they also might end up being drafted higher i mean we saw it last year too but you never really know (laughs) yeah it would be interesting to see especially talking fantasy redraft if he went to a team i'm actually just going to ask you george i know this is completely on the spot but say a guy (laughs) like Brees hall goes to the buffalo bills how because it's going to be tough because we just saw devin singletary come on yeah late last season but like how high does he you know start to come up when Clyde Edwards-Alaire was drafted. Now, granted, there was some off-the-field stuff with Kareem Hunt, and we knew he was going to be the guy. He was going as high as running back four. I don't think Brees Hall would be going there because they just don't run the ball that much, and when they do, it's with Josh Allen. But, like, does he move up into the second-round range for you if he would go to a team like Buffalo? Well, I'm trying to remember. Najee Harris was taken in round one last year also, correct? Yeah, I mean, round late round one, early round mm-hmm. two. Uh, was like his ADP. Yeah. All right. So I'm, I'll, I'll even add on to your thing here. So if Brees Hall goes to Buffalo, I think I would probably be comfortable very late round two, early round three, maybe around that turn. If he goes to Atlanta, I almost like him better because I think he's going to have even more opportunity. There's no one really there to take anything from him. Like Devin Singletary, you never know, could end up still taking carries if he's in good with that coaching staff. 
but I just don't like the weapons around. So I might give him a bump up of like one or two spots, but he's still right around that same exact spot. I don't see it as a situation where he's going to be as highly drafted as we're talking about how Clyde Edwards Alaire was or how Najee Harris was last year, but he could sneak into the end of round two in my rankings. I like it. I like it. Uh, but that's probably enough on Brees Hall. We'll move on to the number two guy on our list, and that is Kenneth Walker the third, another junior, this one out of Michigan State, who broke out in the Big Ten last year. He racked up over 1,600 yards and 18 touchdowns with another touchdown through the air. He averaged 6.2 yards per carry. Dominant, I believe he was near the finalist for the Heisman the way he played. I don't think he got the invite to New York, but he was at least in the conversation. He was a star. Now, he is a little bit on the shorter side for running back. He is only 5'9", and, but he is 211 pounds that ran under a 4'4". So he has the speed. He's built well. He has a strong base. Like, he's a guy. He's a true running. Like, he, this is a guy I told you that Brees Hall, like, kind of can pass block. Like, Kenneth Walker, not only because they didn't really do it much, but, like, he needs to learn how to pass block. So it's going to be an early struggle for him as we, we get him on the field. He's predominantly going to be a first and second round, first and second down running back early in his career. Hopefully they can, they can coach him up. That's his biggest knock against him. And for me, George, there's one team that I'm looking at for Kenneth Walker and it wasn't on your list of teams that need to be needy. Okay. But I'm going to set the stage for you. Okay. Okay. There is, a team that had a, I'll say star running back, who was 28 going on 29 and coming off of a kind of injured season and then drafted a running back in the second round. There's another team that just this past year has a 28 or 29-year-old running back coming off of an injury that might fit in the second round. And I wish Tyler was here because I know he's going to hate this, but the Tennessee <laughs> Titans... Derrick Henry, his most of his guaranteed monies and his contract coming up are going to be alleviated after this year or the next year so that they can get past him. We always talk about how running backs, they have that shorter shelf life. If you look back to last year, they he was on pace to have, I believe, almost 600 touches as a running back between carries. Like, that's not sustainable in the NFL. Ooh. So, yes, the height would be a, a lot different, but I would love to see Kenneth Walker come in it would kind of suck for dynasty. Like it would be, a, I wouldn't probably redraft him. Like he would be pretty low because you still have Derrick Henry there, but have him for two years and then give the ball to Kenneth Walker. I mean, worst case scenario, you have a solid RB two option if Derrick Henry continues, but you have your insurance. If now that he's has all this wear and tear, if his body starts to break down, as we've seen with running backs in the past. Well, that that's not what I was expecting you to go with there, but it would make sense. It would stink for dynasty purposes because you would probably have to take him at some point in the, in the rookie draft, because you know that there is the opportunity there of him either taking over for an injured Derrick Henry or in two years down the road, you have control of him still and he becomes a starting running back. But that that's tough. The only thing that might help, it actually might help Derrick Henry extend his shelf life if you do have a competent back behind him that can definitely take more carries off of his plate. So instead of giving Derrick Henry 30 carries a game like they have been, maybe he only gets 20. But I think my question to you is, if that hypothetical happens, how much do you drop Derrick Henry in your rankings, knowing that there's the chance that he could go down to just a cap of like 20 carries a game? Is that still enough for you, knowing he's a guy that needs volume to get going? Uh, it wouldn't like in redrafts, it wouldn't, I'd still have him probably as RB two or three, like on looking at early rankings, like Jonathan Taylor's one. And then which running back coming off an injury do you want? Do you want Christian McCaffrey or Derrick Henry? Like that's where I'm at right now. So, and I think for the first year, cause I mentioned he still needs to improve in his pass catching game. Like, but it could be enough. Like it could be enough of a change of pace. He, you know, he's built strong. He does have, you know, he doesn't have a lot of catching experience. Like, he only had 13 receptions last year. But Derrick Henry doesn't catch the ball very often. He can do it enough for that. 
I think getting a, an explosive guy in there be a little bit of a change of pace. It's not a complete difference maker of like you're not having true thunder and lightning. Like you're not having Derrick Henry and Raheem Mostert. You're having like Derrick Henry, the wrecking ball, and then Kenneth Walker, the cannonball. Like <laughs> two different, but they're style enough that they can split up, be a nice complement to each other. Um, and again, like I said, maybe Derrick Henry, this will also help him play into his mid thirties, but you, it's something you have to think about. And I know I called him a star, but I was referring to, they drafted Derrick Henry when DeMarco Murray was coming off of DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry are on different levels of talent. I understand that, but DeMarco Murray was still, I think he even led the league in rushing or he was in the top three the year they drafted Derrick Henry or like the year before they drafted Derrick Henry. So he had talent. Like I know Titans fans weren't happy about it. And then the Titans fans fell in love with it. I can see the same thing happening again here with Kenneth Walker, but there's also 31 other teams that might be interested in Kenneth Walker. And he might not even make it to the second half of the round two for the Titans to pick him. Yes, definitely. It's worth noting that they probably would have one shot to pass on him. And I don't think that a lot of the, like I think maybe one running back goes in the first round, like we mentioned earlier. So one more guy in your top three, and this is like your consensus top, top three. And after this, there's kind of a break. Isaiah Spiller out of Texas A&M. So I think this is the guy that's made the biggest jump in draft season. If I'm not mistaken, Cody, why don't you tell us a little bit more about Spiller? Yes, he he, he has like climbed, climbed up the boards there. He is definitely a very solid running back. Again, another junior. He had over a thousand yards in the SEC last year at Texas A&M solid running back like he he's the guy that looks most like a running back he doesn't have the stats and the production that the other two guys have um but he was still productive he was a play for three seasons at texas a&m a solid guy i don't think a team can go wrong with him i'm comparing you know i I mentioned this very similar to like your the 2020 draft when the top three were clyde edwards alaire jonathan taylor and deandre swift well i think if I'm going to, they're probably not like apples to apples comparison, but Brees Hall is the Clyde Edwards Alaire, you know, the three down back. Kenneth Walker is what you hope out of for it when you think Jonathan Taylor. And then I would compare Isaiah Spiller to DeAndre Swift. Now, I didn't run the 40 time, so I know that's been a little bit of a question, but he should have all the speed that a, an explosive running back needs in the NFL. Some people have him as the top guy. We have him as the number three guy again, cause we're our, our rankings are definitely also lean towards fantasy and where we think would be a better, better fantasy player, maybe not even the best prospect, but that's how our, you know, rankings tend to go. So I do like Isaiah Spiller a lot. And I think any team that could, uh, he could make a def- definite impact on their team. Definitely. And I mean, part of it concerns me that he wasn't really noticed too much before draft season and he has been kind of going off the board, but there's a lot of diamonds in the rough that you find that come out, you know, post college season up through the combine and into the draft. So we'll see how that works out. Um, Cody, do you want to run down the rest of the names or you want to kind of break down the rest here? Um, I can, I'll go through the names, then I'll, we can just highlight a couple guys. Okay. Um, but one last note on Isaiah Spiller, because I had lost the page when I was trying to talk, but <laughs> he was uh, related, or not related, he was compared on the NFL's website to Rashad Penny. So, you know, a guy that had some question marks. I mean, it was everyone was shocked when the Seahawks took him in the first round, but we started to see what he could be the second half of last season. Like if you were in fantasy and you had Rashawn Penny, you probably won your championship. Thank you, Rashad Penny. Yeah. But like Isaiah Spiller has that potential. Hopefully he doesn't get, you know, the injuries that Penny has had and he can, you know, be productive earlier. So I think Spiller is a solid option. If he goes to the bills, he could be the number one option. The Falcons would be another, you know, solid pick. If he goes to one of those top three needy teams, that'd be great. I mean, I don't know. It's going to be tough because a lot of these teams are going to be picking that already have a running back in place. That's only going to hurt their, you know, their, their status or what we think. And it's going to be a lot more running back by committees. as we go forward. I think what you mentioned the saints. And I think as we see next week, if the saints take a running back early, they're not expecting good things to come out of this. You know, if they don't take a running back to the fifth round, 
whatever information they have probably tends to think that he might only miss four games, six games, or maybe none at all. But if they take a running back with their – heck, if they take one with one of those two picks that they got from the Eagles, or if they take one early in the second round, like I think that'll tell you where they expect the things to go with Alvin Kamara. But that's probably enough on Isaiah Spiller. So to wrap up our top 10, and honestly this list could go on to like the top 30 because we're in, like George has mentioned, like I have mentioned, we're in the, you know, the dartboard range of where all these guys had talent in college. Some of them will stick, some of them won't. Uh, but the next couple guys on our list is Brian Robinson out of Alabama, James Cook, and Zamir White out of Georgia. Now, James Cook is Dalvin's brother, which is interesting. Uh, Damon Pierce out of Florida. Kyron, Kyron Williams out of Notre Dame. Rashad White out of Arizona State. And Jerome Ford out of Cincinnati. And there is definitely some other names we could have listed, but we kept the list of 10. I'll start with Brian Robinson because I know from what I've seen, from the research I've done, I've seen him be listed as RB2. I've seen him be listed as RB13. There's just a lot of up and down with him. And honestly, there's definitely some school bias here for me with having him, technic- I guess, technically at number four, coming out of Alabama. Like, honestly, I can't think of a bad running back that's come out of Alabama in the last couple years. Like, I like Damian Harris. Kenyon Drake might be, like, the lowest-rated one. But still, like when he was in Arizona, he was solid for fantasy. When he was in Miami, he, he's just now behind Josh Jacobs, and that's kind of a split system coming off of a year. So even if you get Kenyon Drake value out of him as a rookie, like I think that's a solid pick, and you hope for him to explore more. He was just behind guys like Damian Harris. He was behind other players because everybody in Alabama is always behind an NFL starter, it feels like. <laughs> uh, so definitely a guy worth watching there is Brian Robinson Jr. Yeah, we have to see how a team's going to use him if he does get taken um, and like how what who's around him on the depth chart. But his NFL comparison that I saw that I liked the most was Chris Carson. So the slightly bigger bodied guy, not that he is exclusively a goal line back, but maybe a team that has a smaller back takes him to use him as such. So that's why I said we have to keep an eye out. Maybe he's going to be the guy that zaps touchdowns from somebody in fantasy. Maybe he's going to get enough opportunities that he gets enough short yardage, first down carries and goal line opportunities to be fairly relevant. If he goes to the right situation. Definitely George. I know a guy that I'm not as high on as some other people are. Uh, Again, we're in that, you know, is this guy number four or is he number, you know, 14 and that is, Zamir White out of Georgia, one of the two Georgia running backs. Um, Now, I know some people will say he could be the most talented wide receiver in this class, but he has already suffered two torn ACL injuries. So that's concerning as a player that young. Running backs already have a short life in the NFL, which is unfortunate. So, you know, getting a guy, taking a guy that, you know, how long is he going to play? Can he even finish his four-year contract is definitely a question mark. But if he goes to the right team, if he gets a nice fit, you know, he could have a solid NFL career. Maybe, you know, some players get hurt all the time in college, never get hurt in the NFL. I hope that's the way for Zamir White and he can go, go ball out, but we'll have to wait and see on which team he goes. So I think he's like the biggest boom or bust candidate in this running back class. Yeah, it's also worth noting that those ACL tears were in 2017 and 2018, so it's not like he's just coming off of one. He has had a college career on two repaired ACLs, so their chance of there being in a, you know, a lingering issue there is pretty low. Um, he, he's also a guy that's more suited for a split system, I think, so it, yeah, a lot of it's going to depend on who he ends up landing with in the draft. Definitely. I mean, he was in a split system with James Cook, the other Georgia running back, who was more the third down pass catcher in that offense. Um, But the last guy I do just want to give a quick shout out to is number 10 on our list. That is Jerome Ford out of Cincinnati. I know Cincinnati, they have a lot of top prospects. I mean, they were a good college team last year. They made the college football coming from a smaller or made the college football playoffs coming from a smaller school. Um, he didn't run the 40 at the NFL draft. And I thought his NFL player comparison, actually, I lied. He did run the 40. I just was looking at the wrong person. He had a 4.46. So a solid speed 
31 inch vertical. So he has some explosiveness, 210 pounds. He has all the size you have from that you like from a running back, but his NFL comparison was Michael P. Ryan. And you're like, well, Michael P. Ryan, that kind of <laughs> a terrible night. But if you think about back to, you know, well, Michael P. Ryan had some flashes. He played for the, with the New York Jets. He never really got, you know, his fair share of opportunities. And that's what a lot of players like when you're talking about the NFL draft, the talent of the player is almost as important, if not more important or is or less important than the team they go to, the coaching staff around them, how they get trained up. And I think if Michael P. Ryan went to the right situation, he could have had a better NFL career. And I think if Jerome Ford finds himself in the nice situation, maybe even being a compliment to Michael Carter going to that same Jets. But now that they have invested so much in the, the offensive line, like that's a guy, again, it might not be the most fantasy relevant. He might make it pretty he might not even get drafted in your fantasy rookie draft depending on how deep it is but that's a name that you should be keeping an eye on i think not for redrafts but you know as we get through training camps you know see what he's doing on the team that's selected if he's getting you know rb2 snaps is he a potential handcuff if he goes to you know a team if he becomes the new alexander mattinson for dalvin cook like those are things that we'll keep you updated on as we go throughout the the off season, so not a guy you're drafting, but a name to just keep your your keep in the back of your mind. Yeah, definitely. I think the two things that stood out the most when I was looking at Jerome Ford's scouting report were he only had 319 career carries in college, and they say his biggest hit is his vision and creativity with the ball. Both those things kind of go hand in hand, in my opinion. So, like you're saying, like opportunity is a big thing when it comes to players coming out of the NFL draft opportunity is almost the same thing when you're trying to showcase yourself for the NFL draft. So he's not high on people's boards, but that tells me if he gets into the right coaching staff and learns that running back vision, learns his running system very well, there's a chance he could be one of those undrafted rookies or he probably gonna get drafted like in the later rounds running backs that we don't look at for dynasty and all of a sudden pops up on our radar in week two. Definitely. And even like a team like, um the rams like they have that very much that mm-hmm. one cut and go where you're not needing like it's a it's an outside zone scheme not gonna get too technical but like you know you're supposed to run in between the guard and the tackle like that's pretty much your run lane like you know that so a team like that that schemes up and you know your holes where you, the running back doesn't have to think could be a, a good fit i know cam Akers came back we talked about them so that'd be a, another option um and then one other team we didn't mention, the Baltimore Ravens. Just keep an eye on whoever they draft. <laughs> yeah. I don't know which one it would be. They might not take a guy until day three. They might take a guy early. J.K. Dobbins is, is still not 100% sure to be ready for training camp, coming off of the ACL he tore in last year's training camp uh, due to some complications. Gus Edwards, another guy coming off of injury. They might just want a solid running back, you know, J.K. Dobbins, his contract is up next year as well. So whoever the Ravens draft, I expect them to take a running back. Just keep that in the back of your mind as well. Yes, and I mean, also that goes along with how we talked about last week with them talking to Melvin Gordon. They might decide not to draft a running back and bring in another veteran like they did last year and bring in Melvin Gordon. That whole running back room is fluid. We kind of hope J.K. Dobbins breaks back out. Like Cody and I were very high on him in our way too early mock draft, but a lot can change in the next two, three weeks when it comes to the Ravens' backfield. I want to talk one more running back before we go, Cody, because a lot of people are high on Kyron Williams, and I know he's pretty low on your list. I mean, he wasn't even, I don't think, on your initial list you sent to me, and then we added it up to 10. He got thrown onto there. I know he's a big locker room guy. He was a team captain um, with Notre Dame, but – he seemed to have a lot on his scouting report when I was looking that's contradictory. Like, oh, he's quick, but he's not fast. He ran a very slow straight line 40, but maybe as a running back, you don't need that. At the same time, he's a smaller guy. Like, I want to know if you understand why some scouts seem to be so high on him when I'm kind of with you where he's not really the top guy on my radar. Yeah, I think some people just really like, one, the pedigree from the school that he came to from which is notre dame which i can't stand but that's not how i don't <laughs> yes i don't evaluate or you know 
I don't even like to say that I evaluate, but I don't look at prospects and be like, oh, I'm not picking them because they came from Notre Dame. That's <laughs> not how I play fantasy football with rival teams of fan- teams I'm fan on. That's not how you pick players. Um, I think he had a lot more, you know, love coming in pre-combine until he kind of ran the slow straight line 40. I'm not saying it was like incredibly slow, but I think people thought he looked faster on tape. So some people are. It was a four six five, by the way. A four six five. That is a you know not Pretty the slow best for but, a running back, but for a running back, you know people were talking less sub four fours. It's it's not great. So I think that's why he's dropped a little bit. But I think some people are still looking at the tape and seeing a very solid running back, and again, you know, just a guy that they they like with. Sometimes you we talk about it. Sometimes we get too caught up in the combine numbers. Now I'm not saying that they're invaluable. Like I think they're great points. I think people often revert to the DK Metcalf falling all the way to the second round because of his bad combine. And if you actually look at his bat, like he still ran a good 40, it was just three cone. And that's one of the knocks against him not wanting to get paid is because he doesn't run routes very well. I mean, he's super fast and he can jump up and he's tall. Like he should have been drafted in the first round, but he has some limitations And that's what you're going to get with Kyron Williams, a guy that has limitations, but if you put him in the right system and you ask him to do certain things, the right things, he could end up being a solid running back. He'll probably never be, you know, a true number one dominant running back. But as much as running backs by committees are these days, like he could be find himself in the right situation and be a solid player. Yeah, definitely. So I think what we've learned through all this, besides maybe the top three guys, we're going to have to do this the whole entire show over again the week after the draft because it's going to be completely different talking about this guy actually is worth something and this guy is probably too far buried down the depth chart. Absolutely, George. <laughs> well, I think that is enough running back talk. We are, well, I guess we're just over a week away from the NFL draft. It'll be next week, back next week to preview the NFL draft. I might even be dropping a mock draft on the couchgms.com. So make sure you you're Check definitely checking that out for that. But as always, thanks again for listening to another episode of the couch GMs podcast. And Tyler was not be able to be with us, but I'm sure he told you last week. And I'll tell you this week, this podcast is more fun for us and more fun for you when you get involved. Yes, it is. We're going to give you plenty of ways to get involved in the next few weeks. Cody said he might be dropping a mock draft. Maybe you want to see yours. Maybe we'll be doing another draft competition here coming up as we get closer. We'll talk more about it next week. Thank you guys for more time for listening in to the Couch Jams podcast. For Cody Roadcap, I'm George Kirk. See you all next week.